This is Real Talk with Rebecca Chawson, where we have real, raw, and relatable conversations to create connections that count. So stay tuned. It's time for a Real Talk. Okay, welcome to this episode of Real Talk with Rebecca. Such a pleasure to have you listening today. I am so excited to have with me Nick and pronounce your last name? Giannolis. Giannolis. I'm going to get better at that. Nick Giannolis <laughs> with the Fun Department, also known as the Godfather of Fun, founder and CEO of such a unique company. And I'm excited for you to talk about it. Uh, before we go into that, though, as a ramp up, tell me a little bit about your passion. Mm, uh, yeah, so obviously I have a passion for fun, right? So that goes kind of way back. I think you know, as a you know, as a kid and a young man, I um, I just was always adventurous and colored way outside the box. Didn't pay pay much attention to rules, and and um, but then I got into the you know the corporate world, and I thought, hey, there's a place for this too. You know, there's a place for fun and play. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of serious stuff that you deal with in a business. Um, but in a management career I had for many years as a young man, uh, I, I utilized fun as my competitive advantage as a manager. And it worked uh, really well, you know, to mm. the point where I was, you know, promoted quite a bit and was making a lot of money. And I just became fascinated by the subject of, of fun. And I was very passionate about it. And I was always the guy who was throwing the party and doing that stuff anyway, you know, on right. the side. But in the business world, I thought there was this big void. And I thought, wow, if I can bring this to people, um, this is really powerful. And it made the company that I was with way more productive, way more profitable, um, a better company you know, great retention and productivity, all, all the things that you would desire as a business owner. So yes. when I could tie an ROI to, uh, to fund, then I knew I was onto something. And that was really the genesis for starting the fund department. And I'm, you know, that, that was over uh, 15 years ago. Wow. And I'm as passionate about it today as I, I was back then. And in some ways, even more so passionate today because of, you know, the times we're in, right? These are not easy uh, they're very challenging times. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, if I had to pick a passion, it, it would be, you know, people first, you know, right. just the love of people and, and fun, fun and levity and humor. I love that. I love that. So, you know, getting out of a corporate job, that's a transition to understanding you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and business owner. What created that specific shift for you? Mm. Yeah, so it was um, in the in the career that I was in for 20 years, it was electrical wholesale distribution. I mean, that couldn't be further from what I do today. Very technical. <laughs> right, right. And the fact is, I didn't really like the product. I wasn't really, mm. you know, technically oriented. I just loved the people that I worked with. Right. So that was really the impetus to make the change is that, you know, I don't want to spend another 20 years of my life in an industry that really doesn't embrace the things that I believe in. And they weren't progressive enough in my, you know, in my mind, it was a little mm -hmm. bit of a back, not backwards industry, but it, it's a great, it's a great business and industry, but it just wasn't for me. So when I, when I felt that I could develop 
um, you know, fun as a process and create this model that I utilized, um, you know, successfully in my corporate career and make that a business, then it just became a no brainer for me. And I think the thing that pushed me over the top is I met many years ago with a, a gentleman named Dr. Paul McGee, and he's one of the world leading authorities and, and most prolific author on humor and humor in the workplace. Wow. And it turns out that he lives in my little town. I was Googling him and all this. So we met and he was so inspired by kind of the idea I had for the fun department that he, he basically said, you know, go forth young man and do this. <laughs> That's um, great. You're not going to make much money because there's a lot of non-believers, but you're on the right track and do it. So that was uh, an inspiration. And then my other partner, Dave Raymond, who was the original Philly fanatic, um, you know, I met with him and shared my idea and he loved the idea and, you know, was already out of costume out of the Phillies but he loved the idea of entertaining the corporate world. So, you know, all the stars aligned and I took the leap of faith. That's great. So tell me a little bit about, for those who may not be familiar with your company, mm. what is the product of the fund department? What, yeah. How do people engage with your company? Yeah, so, so we are non-traditional team building. You know, most people can relate to team building, but it kind of in that weird, creepy way where it's, you know, long and it's weird and it's intimidating and all that. We don't do that. We don't do that. Okay. So the, the genesis and the whole idea behind the fund department was instead of doing one or two major events a year, like most people relate to a holiday party or summer picnic. Right or some team building long, boring event. Right. Um, you, you know, my theory was, hey, let's break that up into small chunks that are on company time, because often those events were after hours on weekends and people really don't like that. Um, so my theory was, let's do something fun, but brief, be respective of business interruption, make it all inclusive and non-threatening so that people can play at the level that they're comfortable with and that they're, you know, they're not forced into, you know, play or fun or putting on a whole, you know, a, um, you know, a Hawaiian shirt or whatever, you know, you know, they play at the level they're comfortable with and just do that consistently. And I'm, and these are brief, I'm talking 15 to 30 minutes once a month. So that's our model. And we treat fun as a process and, um, and it really, that's what gets sustainable long-term results. So most of our clients are, long time long-term clients you know we work with them on annual contracts and we'll do some live events we do a lot of virtual and especially today in this day and age right in this world and then we have products we have what we call break box which is team building in a box you know we can ship it to teams all over the country and they can you know they can play in their department or their group and compete with other people within the organization That's so it's, great. it's restorative breaks we call those you know so you know, you can think of it as team building, but it's, you know, just restorative breaks that people need. They need, really need and require breaks. And humor has so many benefits, you know, right. from stress reduction to more creativity, more productivity, you know, lots of, lots of, um, you know, benefits to morale to building for sure. And I can, uh, 
speak from experience. One of the things that I've enjoyed in getting to know you, I think we first met at a networking event years ago. I don't know if it was like five years ago, back when I was living in New Jersey, obviously I'm Philadelphia now. And that's one of the things that really intrigued me about you is just how you engage and you're genuine. And even in a crowded room full of people, your genuine authenticity really shines through. And I was like, this is somebody I definitely want to connect with. And I forget if it was two years ago, three years ago, I came to your Delaware office and uh, was actually able to be part of one of your engaging workshops. And I loved, to me, the product wasn't only um, that we, we did a break of the break box mm-hmm. and yeah. it was really cool to see these um, items that were actually designed by you guys in right. different games and puzzles and, you know, fun but to me it was also the facilitator and how they brought the energy to the room so it wasn't just about the product but about the people that I've met with the the fun department so that really says a lot and I really appreciate that experience and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today because (laughs) I like to recommend people that I've personally you know experienced having a good interaction with so that being said you know you said 15 years you've been in business yeah Mm-hmm. So yeah. obviously you're doing something right. Um, but in the beginning stages, especially, you know, the first several years and, you know, I, I'm sure it was a challenging time for you and being an entrepreneur, I would like to dive in a little deeper into your background because I would imagine this passion you have maybe comes from some pain or past experience that you've had that made you realize how impactful this product can be. Mm, yeah. So, ooh, that's a that's a touchy one. But I know, right? But real talk there. is all about having real talks. <laughs> you know, that's what we do here. But you know, I found from my own experience when I. Uh, coming from a difficult background and coming from a background where I did not have a strong sense of identity. That's why I'm so passionate about personal branding because I've seen how empowering it can be when people are able to tap into their core strengths and recognize how to spotlight it. So for you, obviously bringing this amazing company about fun and play, like I'm really curious to know where that passion comes from. Yeah, well, and and kind of back at you, Rebecca, because when we first met, and I could see it right away, you know, you're genuine, you're for real, and and you shared your story, which I thought was so powerful, and I'm super happy, you know, that uh, that you've taken it all to the next level with, uh, you know, Women Who Rise, the book, and these podcasts, so congratulations. There. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, my story goes back, you know, before the corporate experience, right? So as a, as a kid, young man, so, um, you know, I had a, uh, uh, you know, a great family, but my, you know, my father was, a, you know, an immigrant, you know, Greek immigrant, who was just a really hard driving man, just mm-hmm. very, very hard driving. And, um, and to the point of abuse, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a bit of my motivator is that I saw the way he operated in the world. And I thought, wow, there's some things I respect about my dad, but there's some things that I definitely don't and, and right. that are, you know, that are really different. And I found myself in, in many 
cases with my own family life, having to use humor to defuse a situation, right? Mm -hmm. And I do it today. I've been in, you know, I've been in um, compromising situations where, you know, I'm getting mugged or something and I, I've used some humor and I've gotten out of it. I, wow, you know, so, that's a story, but, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah that's a story. I, there's a couple of good ones in there, but, wow. but really that was, I think, part of a, just a defense mechanism of, um, you know, growing up in an abusive uh, family. So I spent a lot of time away outside, um, you know, as a kid, I, you know, I would just come home at dinner when I had to, and I would, you know, play and create and kind of my own world. And I think, you know, when I really look back um, on kind of where it came from, the reason I like to get people together and treat them well and see them have a good time is, is probably from those years. Wow. Wow. What an evolution you've been through. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's, I, it's really inspiring to hear because sometimes when people go through trauma in their past, it's very easy to let that define you right. and the environment to define you. You know, people say they're a product of their environment, right? right? And I think this just goes to show that you have a choice to to create a different environment for yourself. What was the limiting belief you had to get past to be able to become the successful person that you are today? Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, my dad was such a powerful figure and he was an entrepreneur. He had his own business and he was very successful. Um, but I think it was, you know, just my own identity, just to be able to mm -hmm. say, I mean, we looked alike, our names were the same, you know, I wasn't Nick Jr., I was just, you know, Nick, you know, Giannolis. And, you know, when I would meet people as a young person, sometimes, you know, when I would be introduced to them, they'd either hug me like, oh my God, you're Nick, Nicky's son, um, or they would step back like 10 feet and go, get away. I mean, oh, like, wow. I mean, you know, like that's the kind of effect that he had on people. So I think what it was is it, just a serious identity crisis for me about who I was, right? How I was going to define myself. And, um, and I actually took on the personality and character traits of my mother, who is absolute angel and, you know, wonderful woman. Um, so I, I, you know, that was kind of the dichotomy, right? Like people would say, oh my God, you look just like your dad and act just like your mother. So I, I chose that, you know, I chose it because I, I just thought my mother was, you know, uh, a wonderful person. I also had three sisters growing up. So I had, you know, kind of that cool influence of, of three sisters and uh, we're all still very, very close today. And then I have three daughters. So um, <laughs> that's yeah, ironic. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, I, I feel like I had, um, and, and then I had some great role models. My grandfather on my mother's side was a, you know, amazing man. And my uncle, uh, likewise, was just a, just an incredible guy. So, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I just figured it out. You know, I just thought, yeah. you know, this is the person I want to be. And I want to be known for not just being a tough guy. You know, like that just didn't really resonate with me. Right. And so much of humor is around empathy. Yes, yes, for sure. So it sounds yeah. like that and was humility. something... Right. Humil exactly. Being able to laugh at yourself, not yeah. feeling like you have to always have this tough exterior. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know, the other thing that I heard 
that you said that I have found to be very consistent with people who've come from challenging backgrounds is they had to learn how to create a positive circle of influence for themselves. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you, whether, you know, intentionally or unintentionally started to do is you started to recognize the positive and powerful people in your life that were empowering in a different way. And you realized that those were the people you wanted to mirror. Yeah. And, and it's still my practice today. You know, it is, it's what I do. Um, I surround myself with, with, you know, positive people, um, optimists and, you know, high energy, like-minded folks. And I, for the longest time I had a, uh, you know, I was involved in a couple of relationships that were not very healthy and I thought I could save people, you know, yes. and they were, they were very attracted to me, you know, because I, you know, I had a, pretty good life going on and I thought oh I can help them mm -hmm. and it, it, it ultimately wasn't uh, fulfilling for me to be in those relationships um, you know one ended in a divorce and you know so uh, I think that you, you know I made a very conscious decision just to surround myself with people of like mind and energy not to say that I'm not open-minded because I really do feel like I am I feel like I will you know, listen to anybody's point of view, and I respect people's point of view. But where I draw inspiration are from people like you and from people mm -hmm. like um, other uh, entrepreneurs, other people who um, just get it about being a good human being. Right. So I make a point of, you know, reaching out to people that, um, you know, on some on a very regular basis because they're close friends or colleagues, but um, especially during this pandemic and being isolated and, you know, I, I reach out to people once a week. I pick someone who I haven't connected with in a while. Yeah. And it's very rewarding. It's been, and I think for both parties, you know, so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We were, we were catching up a little bit before uh, starting the recording today. And one of the things I like that you said is that one of your weekly habits is actually reaching out to a person you haven't spoken to to rebuild that relationship. And so you're making some intentional habits. And I know for myself how challenging uh, being in this pandemic right now, it's really been a disruptor with our daily lives. What would you say are some other habits, not necessarily for right now, but in general that you have put in place to help you stay positive, open-minded, proactive, that has helped you get through the difficult times? Yeah, another good question. So I've been on a practice for some time of, of doing something new every day, you know, doing something new. Um, and it could just be a modification of something I'm already doing, because believe me, it'll, it'll become a challenge if it's something brand new every day. So it's not like you have to go skydiving every day, you know, do something like really crazy. But maybe I'll try a cup of tea instead of a cup of coffee or I'll, you know, I'll, okay. you know, just little things that push me a little bit because we all settle in right to these comfort zones. Right. And, and um, I found that to be extremely beneficial because it does open my world to new possibilities that I would not have otherwise experienced. And, and when you, practice that then adaptation and change comes much easier right that makes so sense if you're if you're rigid and you're in a you know really a fixed schedule and a fixed um you know mindset and habits 
it, it's it's easy to go down that road and and not really grow. So I'm I'm at my best is you know when I'm um, you know creating, adapting, you know thriving, changing. Um, I will say that this whole pandemic and all that, this is a bit on the ridiculous side of adaptation, right? So, Gosh. <laughs> and, and admittedly, like we were talking earlier, um, you know, I can, I can be as positive as I can be, but it presents challenges and we all struggle a little bit. So, you know, complete transparency um, is that, yeah, there's, it's tough. There's some, there's things that in life that are just hard, but if you, um, you know, make a practice of experiencing something new and trying to, um, you know, be adaptable. It, it will help you in every aspect of your life. I really appreciate that perspective because, you know, I've been hearing a lot about how important it is to have a schedule, especially when you're working from home. And I'll be honest, I'm a creative person and I don't always think in a schedule or my energy isn't always on a certain schedule. Right. <laughs> um, but what I appreciate about what you're saying is you can adapt your schedule to some change. Like, Absolutely. would you say you do time blocking right now, even like through to stay uh, proactive and then you kind of intermixed with the time blocking add something new like explain to me a little bit how you process your day sure so I, I think one of the most under underrated or, or discussed um, things about this uh, pandemic and social distancing and I call it physical distancing by the way like it's you know, we shouldn't socially distance, right? We, mm. you know, while we have to keep six feet apart and all that, but um, that's just physical distance. It doesn't mean that we have to be completely separate from people. So right. it's really important to keep the, the social component in there. But one of the things that really doesn't get discussed much, and I think people are starting to figure this out now that they are home and they're having to adapt working from home, is that you can work your schedule. And I've always been, I'm a morning person. I get more done between 5.30 in the morning and 10.30 than, uh, I mean, I feel like, honestly, it's like eight hours of work in that time. I'm the most yeah. creative. I pop right out of bed. I, you know, I'm ready to go. And, and it's also a lot of alone time. Like there's not many people in my house that are up that early. So um, I, I get, I get a lot done and I'm my most creative at that point. So I won't schedule appointments until later in the day, you know, late morning, early afternoon. And then I start to fade. I know that about myself, right? So at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm either ready for happy hour or I'm ready. I'm just ready to take a break, right? Right. So, um, and I do take necessary breaks in between all of it, right? So I practice that. I take a five minutes here and there. Um, you know, I get up, I walk around, I'll, you know, up, even if it's, you know, up and down the stairs on a bad, you know, like a bad weather day, but, and if I can get outside, I will get outside. So Daniel Pink, if you know that author, he talks about, you know, the value of restorative breaks and especially doing things outside whenever possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, they're part of my habits. If the sun's out, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to be in it. You know, I feel like it just restores my batteries. Right. So, um, yeah, I think working your schedule is really important. And people, unfortunately, you know, with most workplace environments are forced into an eight to five or nine to six. And that may not be their most productive time. Right. If it's nighttime for you. Awesome. Do your work at night. 
No, mm -hmm. um, yeah, those are some great tips. I love that. Now, tying in the ha success habits, what would you say has been a personal mantra of yours? Wow, I, I think one of the things that has been with me the entire time I've you know been in business and is really surrounding yourself with great people, right? Mm -hmm. So, I um, and and allowing them to do what they do best. So I'm a big believer that no one person you know makes the world go round and you know can do everything and and whether that's within a company or it's in politics or whatever it is you have to surround yourself with people who are who are really talented and and in a lot of cases more talented than you than you are and that's hard for a lot of bosses or entrepreneurs right they want to be the the boss or that person in charge but if I, I always try to um, hire people who are smarter, better, you know, than, than myself. And it makes my life ultimately much easier. Right. Um, I also, um, you know, really don't want to hire anybody who is my personality trait. Mm -hmm. um, that generally doesn't work out. Uh, I want, you know, somebody who is, uh, and if I just look within our small company for people, and then we have like a you know, multitude of contractors, 10 to 15 contractors. But the, the full-time people, we are all very different personality traits. And we are all um, have a unique skill set that complements one another. Mm -hmm. So that's just worked well for me in my career. And I, you know, I continue to practice that. That's so, great. So maybe a mantra would be, don't be the smartest person in the room, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I have to put that into words, but that's, that's it. No, but that's basically what, what you're saying. And I think right. it's so true, you know, and, and it goes back to what you were saying about the importance of having humility to, to be able to tap into your greater potential, yes. you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you think about it, if you give someone an assignment and it's not something they, they like or love or they're passionate about, you know, they're not going to do it that well. They may be able to get through it and complete the task. So in most businesses, people get all beat up about the 15% of the stuff that they don't do well. Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to focus on the, you know, 85, 90% of the things they do well, reward them for that, for those things and forget about the 10%, get somebody else right. to do it or do it yourself. Right. So that's great. Clear the clutter and become focused on, on what you enjoy. That's so true. Right. So true. I love that. So why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, we mentioned that we're in this pandemic and having to adapt and pivot so much of our lives and companies are having to pivot. Maybe you could provide a few tips on how companies can engage their employees. Um, obviously, right now, you know, there's a lot of people working from home, but I would imagine the principles that you have found to be true is universal regardless of the environment. Would you say that's correct? It, it really is, surprisingly so, right? The same, what I call laws of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we have those all written down and, and uh, you know, practice them on a regular basis. It's part of our process. But those same laws of fun apply to virtual um, activities as they do to live events. So, you know, talk about a major pivot, 70% of our business was live events, which 
went away, right? There's no live events happening. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we're starting off our strongest year ever by far. And all of those things got canceled. Wow. So thankfully, we were able to pivot and we were um, starting to develop back in 2015 and 2016 virtual deliverables. Wow. So, um, really, you know, really kind of cool. And we, so we've spent all of our time during the pandemic um, really focusing on those and building those up and packaging them and putting them together for clients. So, um, you know, and I, I shared with you earlier that I actually think that's going to become bigger than our, our live event business. That's it's great. more scalable and all that. So, um, but, you know, kind of as, a, as an example, and I'd love to play one for you or show, you know, show you one, um, but simple things that companies can do, like we're all on Zoom meetings, right? Like, mm-hmm. and probably more than you care to be on. Right. <laughs> longer than you'd want to be on. Right. So, so, um, you know, I often tell people like, do, do little things like share, um, you know, share what's on, we call this one background check, right? So you can just start off a meeting and say, hey, what's your screensaver? What's on your screensaver, your phone? You, you know, in a couple minutes, we're going to ask everybody not to be with their phones, but we're just going to, you know, just share that with us. Introduce yourself. And you can show it in the screen, you know, what's on the screen saver, saver of your phone. And um, you will find out more about people in that period I love that. of time, right? In that 30 seconds than you would in years of working with somebody, right? Because there's something they're passionate about, something that they, they love. And it could be children, it could be dogs, it could be a friend, it could be a beautiful scenery of a vacation. But you allow people 20 seconds to talk about that. And just kind of go around and, and do that. Obviously not possible when you have hundreds of people, but you kind of get the idea. If you have hundreds of people, maybe you do something like you take a great video. There's so many videos on YouTube. And if it's a leadership meeting, for example, you know, I've got these great videos and we have banks of them that we, you know, we have and give to people. Um, the dancing guy, the leadership, you know, the, the shirtless dancing guy leadership thing. It's HR appropriate. It's okay. It's, uh, you know, not, not anything uh, risque. It's just fun. Right. Yeah. And it starts off with humor and it, it automatically gets people in a creative state of mind. It drops, you know, their defense mechanisms and barriers and, and just, you know, sets a meeting off right. So if you're going to spend an hour on the phone, or in a Zoom meeting, I highly encourage just to do something, you know, really brief and easy. And, you know, so they're, they're kind of the easy things to do. And then there's other challenges that we do with people that we can deliver in a two to four minute segment. It's a video challenge and they're highly produced and there's an actor and there's, you know, there's great graphics and all that stuff. But we present a challenge to a company and those individuals have to either team up with someone else in their company to complete the task or the challenge, um, or they do it individually. We give them a lot of latitude. They can use family members, you know, whatever, but they complete the task. They bring it back. You know, there's kind of scoring and there's winners and all that's fun. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways to, to engage people uh, during, you know, during these challenging times. And it's more important now than ever because many people are experiencing um, isolation, depression, um, you know, stress. Uh, so it's, it's really important to take that time 
and it only takes a couple of minutes. Right, exactly. Well, you killed two birds with one stone that question because I was actually going to ask you too, what new exciting developments do you have? And you provided some great tips that people can be utilizing right now as part of why you're pivoting and these virtual products. Maybe what you can do is just give me and this is when I wish we could give a visual, but you can't right. do that in a podcast. Um, but maybe you can kind of paint a picture of what these virtual uh, packages look like. So if people wanted to use them, what would they experience? Sure, sure. So we kind of broke it into three categories. Um, one is connect, one's engage, and one's sustain. And they all build on one another. And they're, you know, priced accordingly. Connect is just like I described, something that is, you know, quick and easy, five minutes on a video um, or five to 30 minutes on a, it's a facilitated um, Zoom call that we would do to get people in, engaged and then uh, to connect. And then engage is more of that challenge. We're going to present a challenge to a group of people. They're going to give us the information back and then you know we're going to report it back to the company and there's winners so it goes on for some period of time and then sustain incorporates all three of those things it's just done on a regular basis so maybe we're doing it you know four times a year or six times a year with a company and then you really can start to affect culture and engagement and and measurable results when you're doing it instead of on, as a one-off but on a regular basis so as an example, one that we're doing with our partners at uh, Delivering Happiness, um, we sent them a, a video challenge, which um, they, do, you know, the, the challenge is describe or pick your company's song or the anthem or the, the song that best describes the culture at Delivering Happiness or ABC Company. We've done this with a you know, number of different companies. And for bonus points, you know, you submit, you can submit the, the song and we'll create a playlist for your company, but for bonus points, do a little video and you can, you can lip sync something, you know, that song, and you can use your family, you can do it solo, you can use a coworker, you can bring your pets into it, whatever you like. Um, and then as an added bonus, give it for, you know, just 10 seconds why that song, um, you know, is meaningful and, and describes the culture to you, of your company. You would be amazed at the content that we get back. It's so creative. I mean, I think we're creative and we do a really good job with that. Okay. Um, and we did this exercise ourselves and it's wildly fun and I'll send you the video. Because I would love to see that. So, um, but the, what we get back from people is just beyond cool. And, and then of course we share that. We put it in a, in a, a video collage they can play that at their you know, live meetings or virtual meetings, whatever. And they have a company anthem because when you do this with hundreds of people, there's certain songs that are going to rise to the top, right? Right. <laughs> and the number one pick will be the anthem and then you'll have a playlist. So you might be, we're going to take the top 15 songs and that's your playlist. So at every company meeting or anything, you know, you're starting a Zoom call, start playing one of the songs. Like that's great. Last, right? Like it it has a um, an ongoing benefit. And I love that it really reminds people what the culture of the company is about. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's really a fun thing. And you know, I know I personally enjoyed it doing it. We we incorporated our family members and stuff and and uh, they're all 
pretty darn talented uh, more so than myself so it was kind of kind of cool to bring I them i could see people getting competitive <laughs> yes, yes yes i'll send it to you yeah and i don't know if you're able to say but it'd be i'm curious to know maybe names of different companies that you've worked with and industries like have you found it to be uh, a, a theme of the type of companies you work with or is it all over the board you know it's really diverse and i will tell you rebecca the interesting thing for us is that we uh, we do business in the you know every finance or every sector you can imagine from financial to pharmaceutical to construction it doesn't matter what matters and the common denominator is a leader that embraces um, fun and humor in the workplace if that doesn't exist it's really not worth doing and we we it's our number one law of fun is leadership buy-in so if a leader is not really going to embrace it um it, it's it's going to be have limited success it's 100% successful when a leader buys in. And that doesn't mean that the leader is up there, you know, making a fool of themselves, not at all. They're just allowing people a restorative break at work, you know, once a month and to have some fun. And they truly believe that it's good for their, for their company. So the companies that we tend to work with, and that's what I love about our business, if you can think of the top places to work in any, you know, market, um, any industry, large or small, they're the companies we work with because they get it. They're already treating their employees well. They're well-managed companies and they, they get it that fun and happiness at work is imperative before you can even think about delivering great customer service because it all starts with, you know, it's me, we, community, right? So me being the employee, we being the company, community being the, the client. Everybody right. wants the client first right gotta start with the employee that's great yeah. so true gotta start with the employee that's a really good point it's not just about lead, strong leadership it's about the strong legs that support them absolutely yeah that's that's good that's a good point so uh are there any other developments you would like to share and how can people get connected with you yeah so um you know, easy to easy to find us. We're at uh, thefundept.com, thefundept, abbreviation for department.com. If you spell out department, you will get a share impersonator. So that's not us. That's not us. I've been right. by that URL for a long time. Right. <laughs> so, but thefundept.com. Um, of course, we're on you know LinkedIn and Facebook and you know all the social media channel channel channels and feel free to reach out to me directly anytime right so um, I'm Nick at the fundept.com so happy to help and uh, you know I would encourage you to, to in, infuse a little humor in your day personally or you know at work it'll it'll just make for a better day I promise <laughs> that is such a great mantra. I love that. So before we close, I like to ask all my guests, if you were to sum up your super strength, your core strength in one word, what would that be? Oh, and you're asking me. I thought you were asking your guests. Okay, so you're asking. <laughs> So, oh, wow, that's a big question. Right? I mean, fun comes to mind, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, you're the godfather. Actually, I'm curious, the godfather of fun. Where yeah. where did that nickname come from? Oh, yeah, so that's a good story. So, um, it's not the scary mafioso. Right. Of, right. 
So I won a James Brown dance competition in my early 20s at a beach bar in uh, Dewey Beach, Delaware, the starboard. So uh, James Brown is a godfather of soul. So they started calling me the godfather of fun back then. So I won this uh, dance competition. I couldn't repeat, you know, those moves if my life depended. <laughs> I heard it was wildly entertaining. I don't right. remember that much of it, but it was... Uh, it was one of those really fun nights. So that's where it came from. So wait, was this when you had your business, the fun department or before? Long, okay. Yeah, before. So I've been having fun for a long time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Created a business around it. The godfather of fun. Nick, that's awesome. Did you, was there another word that came to mind or does that pretty much sum it up? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, you know, probably just love, I guess, is, you know, really, um, you know, kind of sums it up right mm -hmm. so you know it's i think they're all kind of intertwined right so happiness Absolutely. you know love fun peace you know you know so uh you know give a little you know put a little kindness and love out there to, it'll it'll come back to you and uh, don't expect it to it just does but um the, the, you just make the world a better place that is so key and I really do agree with you that love is the foundation and the fact that you radiate that is so important right now. And in a time where there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and anger that's out there, love really does break the barriers. And I think love is what is able to create fun. You have to have, in order to have genuine real fun, you know, the, the fun that doesn't, bother or annoy people or get other people's skin it's the it's the fun that bridges the barriers and uh love really does do that so i appreciate that and i acknowledge that that definitely comes through that genuine uh desire to help others so i really appreciate that about you yeah thank you of course of course so well that's gonna wrap up today was there any last thing you wanted to say i feel like is there anything else or you know anything you want to say to our listeners so it was just really fun. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed connecting, you know, with Rebecca and, you know, think the world of what you're doing. And uh, so, yeah, this is fun for me. I'm so looking forward to this. So absolutely. I, I really appreciate it. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to staying connected with you and I hope you stay well. Likewise. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk with Rebecca Charlson. If you like this episode, feel free to hit subscribe and consider giving us some love with a five-star rating and review. To learn more about how to be on our next show, go to createyourpotential.com backslash realtalkrebecca. Looking forward to connecting with you next time. And remember, it takes a real talk to create connections that count.